Amen. Amen. Hey, let's pray together real quick. Lord God, we just celebrate you, Lord. We are just so thankful that we could be here. And God, I know that there was some hurt going on in our community here at New Life. And Lord, I, I pray for John Grimshaw at his loss of his bride. Lord, we ask that you would comfort him. Lord, and for others that have run into some hard times and finance, job, maybe their relationship. Maybe there is a, a physical problem, God. There is a lot of issues. And Lord, we can, we can rest in you knowing that you hold us, you hold us tight in your hand. God, when we doubt, when we wonder where you are, we, we don't have to look very far, God, because we can trust you. You are sovereign. You love us even in the midst of our sorrow, our pain, our uncertainty. Lord, we, we can question and we know that you will, you will reassure us. And so this morning, God, as we open your word, we know that there's truth there. And I pray for illumination in our hearts and in our minds that we would, we would see it clearly and that it would impact our heart, our soul, and through our life, God. And so God, please teach us. Whatever that thing is that you want us to learn, let us grab it, let us enjoy it, and let us see more of you. And that's what we ask this morning. We want more of you, God. We want more of your ocean to fill us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And church says, amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Thank you, worship team. You know, it's funny. It's interesting because it's winter. And, um, and, you know, for Arizona, this is a weird winter. It's cold, amen? I mean, I'm like, man, it's, it's, not, it's March. I should be. This is my pool time. And I'm a little upset because I was supposed to be out there. I got my pool chairs out because I heard there's an 80 coming in the forecast next year or week. Next year, good night. <laughs> That'd be terrible. Terrible. Okay. But I was thinking about this. You know, I, if, if you don't know me, but I grew up in the mountains in Southern California in Lake Arrowhead, Big Bear Crestline area. And um, we would get snow periodically. And I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of the snow. I like the snow, right? You know, because I, I grew up in it, lived there for 18 years. And then, and then what I do is I, I moved. I lived in Colorado and the deep Rockies for seven and in Denver. And, and then I actually went back and I was an executive pastor and in my hometown but you know they had an unprecedented amount of snow and I want to show you a couple pictures here they got about 10 to 12 feet of snow in one week yeah it's crazy I'm like wow you know that that's amazing snow and I remember as a kid I remember because in 1980 we had a snowstorm similar to this one and it was it was phenomenal we didn't have school for four weeks I mean, I was, for a kid, you're just going, this is great, you know? And then we didn't even have power for two of those weeks. And, and so mom, we whipped out the Coleman stove and we were heating, we had to sleep in front of the fireplace because we had forced air and, and it, was, it was just, it was amazing. As a child, it was amazing as a child. But now I'm not a child, I'm an adult. And there's one thing is, is I like the mountain experience. Don't get me wrong. I like to visit the mountains. And I like to look at the snow and not shovel it. And I think now, and I was like, oh, I just love it. I wanted, the, I wanted to be a part of that. But, but now, you know, my heart changed towards the snowy weather. My heart changed to, to wanting to live in, in the mountains. And now, don't get me wrong, I, I still want a cabin. I want to visit a lot. But I don't want to be there all the time. 
And so my heart towards it changed, but something else changed too. I now live in a desert. There's a physical change, all right? I like warm, I'm here, and I enjoy it. And you go, well, it gets really hot, I like it. It's, it's refreshing to have 112, amen? I mean, when you look at that snow. And the thing is, so what we see, what do we see here? We see that my heart changed towards how I wanted to live. And then what followed that? A physical change. A physical change, a literal physical change. And as a believer, that should be us. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, when he redeems our soul and makes us new, there is a, there's a heart change. But soon to follow, there's a physical change. And I want to talk about that today. You'll see here that the title is a re The Reality of Salvation. See, a lot of us, there's no reality to it. I've met many Christians who they claim, hey, they said a prayer, they came up front, they got baptized, but there's no reality, evidence of salvation. But first, what is salvation? Salvation us is, is, is us coming back into a relationship. It's called reconciliation to God. We have been brought back with God because why? Man is sinful. Man is sinful and we were separated from God. And so Jesus, the son of God, who is God, had to come to earth and what did he do? He was born of a virgin and he lived a perfect life. There's two things no one has ever done that he has done. And he lived that perfect life and then humanity hung him on a cross. And he let them because he was the sacrifice that needed to be paid for the sin that each of us have in us. And so he hung on the cross, he died, and then they took his body and they placed it in a tomb. And then three days later, he was resurrected and he lives today. He conquered death. And those that choose Jesus will also conquer that death. But we have to realize where we are and who we are. In Romans chapter 3, it says very plainly, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Meaning we could not be in God's glory. We could not be in his presence because we were imperfect. We had sin. And so Jesus had to do something for us, die for us. And we see in Romans 6, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin, your earnings for one sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, that gift, when it is extended to you and you receive it, you gladly take that gift and not everybody will. Something happens. Something happens that's extraordinary. You are saved. You are saved from your sin, but the question still remains, is there evidence to my or your salvation? I put it in first person so you can ask yourself that. Because a lot of people think evidence. What does evidence look like? See, there's a lot of good people out there. Did you know there's a lot of disciplined unbelievers that do better than you and I? But we see something very clear in Matthew chapter 7 verse 22 is Jesus saying this many will say to me on that day Lord Lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles 
And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, a lot of people like to jump through the hoops. A lot of people think, oh, if I do this in the name of Jesus, if I do this in the name of Jesus, I'm winning something. If I go to church, that's not how it works. You see, church, in, in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at this, look at this wonderful verse in chapter 5. 5 verse 17 it says therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creature that word new is kainos kainos means uncommon clean fresh it's not something that is out there for all to see and to experience it's uncommon it's new and it says here we see something else it says the old things that word old it means of man things of man and then it goes on and it says are passed away and behold the kainos things have come the new uncommon the fresh things that is what has come into us and it's so different than just doing the do's and the don'ts, jumping through the hoops of church. I like the old saying, it says, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going into the garage makes you a car. <laughs> See, a lot of times we just think, we just jump through the hoops, we do the things, we use Jesus' name in a good way, we're gonna get in. That's not the evidence that's out there. That's not what we're to grab hold of. There is something that happens to a Christian that, that changes their being from the inside out. Church, understand this. Transformation is both in and out. You cannot keep it in. See, there's gonna be proof. And people are like, oh, wait, no, you're talking about works. No, 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 no. Jesus did all the work. That's why it's a gift. That's why we take the gift. See, Jesus does the work, and that's where we say, okay, what's next with that? He does the work, but I'll tell you this. Jesus has such strong work. He's God. There's gonna be evidence of it. See, God doesn't save you just so you can't change and don't change. There is something huge that goes on in your life. And it will transform you and the culture. How do I know this? I think of the church, the early church. We'll call it, you know, the church at Pentecost. That, that basically took place at 40 AD. 40 AD, a small group, maybe 5,000 we think, you know, they got saved. Okay, let's, say, let's inflate it a little bit more. But understand this. They were just a little bit of the culture. And something a miraculous happened. By 350 AD, the Roman Empire's primary religion was Christianity. How did that happen? They didn't go in and they didn't change any institutions in Rome. They weren't out there going out and trying to do social justice. That wasn't their task. They weren't out there trying to change this or that. They weren't out there picketing. They weren't doing all this stuff. What were they doing? They were keeping to their primary objective, which is ours today. You want to change the culture? You want to change lives? You want to change your street, your community, or your family? Here it is. This is A number one. And we got to grab hold of this today. 
is I am to bring glory to God in my life. That's it. Number one, that is your task. Nothing else to bring glory to God. See, God, he doesn't need any more glory, but he knows the best thing you can do with your life. The most, most wonderful thing you could ever experience is giving God glory because you will be experiencing him doing that. And so that is what we want to do. We're not here to do the do's and the don'ts. We're not here to be Pharisees. We're not here to cross it off the list. Other religions do that. We are here to bring glory to God. Let me, let me remind you of something. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it reads, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. All of it. That's what he's saying. We're to do everything for God's glory. See, church, to do this, we have to understand, to glorify God, it is a heart issue. It comes down to this. Do you have that innate desire, Christian, to bring God glory? And you should. And you should because it's something that you should desire to do. That's why we want to do good. That's why we come to church. We come to church not to make points with God. We come to church because it's innate in us that this is something that's needed. Let me, let me show you with you why. We did our study in Philippians, but I want to read this again to you. And it's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Or excuse me, verse 12. And it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, Paul, he's talking about working it out, meaning get the most out of your salvation. You do this. You get, you get into that gold mine. You get more and more. And so how you live is that, that is your way of doing it. And then we see something very clear here. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God is working on the heart and you are doing the external. See, that's the evidence. That is where the Christian lives. That is what we're to do. So how, how do we do it? You go, oh, it's obedience. And I love obedience because it's a very good thing. God wants us to be obedient, yes. So how do we do this with not being a Pharisee? with not being somebody of another church that has to jump through the hoops and does stuff in Jesus' name, but on that day, he's going, I never knew you. How do we do it? I put it like this. Simple words, because I'm a simple person. Gotta ask yourself, does this bring God glory? This, you fill in the blank. You ask yourself that question. Does this, does this attitude bring God glory? Does this work I'm doing bring God glory? Does this outfit bring God glory? Does my demeanor bring God glory? Does my paycheck bring God glory? Does my pay, well, I'll just say checkbook, bring God glory you can ask it in any form see that's what you want to check what am I doing is it bringing glory to God or is it just me doing something 
See, that's how you check yourself. That's how we are to live. That's how we are to go about this, this life that we are in. See, Paul, he never preached to overthrow the Roman government, to overthrow an institution, to knock down the, the temple of Diana in Ephesus. He didn't preach any of that. He didn't worry about that. He said the primary thing, the primary thing for all of us is to bring glory to God in this life. And so how do we do that? How do we do that? The first one I want you to write down is this. We need to serve as unto God with my full devotion. Serve unto God your full devotion. It's all about him. No matter what you're doing. No matter your work, no matter your play, no matter your retirement, it's gotta be for God. Because that affects people. That's the example everyone will see. Don't get me wrong, we still need to preach and we'll talk about that next time. But the reality is, is what we have here, church, is we are to do everything with our full devotion to God. Now, Paul, we've gone through the, the gamut of submission We've, we've talked about the church submitting to each other. We've talked about husband and wife in that mutual submission and children to their parents. Now we're going into slave and master. And also we can say in our culture, we can say employee and employer that we are to submit to each other. And Paul, he says this in Ephesians chapter six and in verse five, he says, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in serenity of your heart as to Christ now we see here this is a this is an interesting topic he's going hey you know what he's talking about this this slavery issue do you know in the Roman Empire at that time there was over 60 million slaves of every race and it wasn't the slave that would, would sell their sin. Sure, there was indentured slaves, but these were, these were cattle. These were people that were possessions. They were furniture, and they were valuable. And, and so to let that go, that, that was a hard thing. And then we see Paul, he doesn't address it. Why doesn't he address slavery? Even though the basic tenets of, sal of, of Christianity is against it, what's he doing here? He understood that the primary purpose to life change is glorifying God. The primary purpose to changing a world is to bring glory for God to God. And excuse me, in in First Corinthians, we see this, or in in verse twenty of chapter four, it says each man must remain in the condition in which he was called. Whether you were whether while a slave, do not worry about it. But if you are able to become free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. And do not become slaves to men. He's saying, you're mine. No matter what station in life you are, you are my person now. You took my gift. And he says this, and he says, Brethren, each one of you is to remain with God in the condition in which he was called. See, he's saying, you know what? You're in your station of life. We're not here for that. You are here to give God glory. And each of us in our stations of life are to give God glory. 
Look back at Ephesians in verse 5 again in chapter 6. It says that latter part of the verse. See that serenity? That word is really singleness. So it would be singleness of heart, meaning you're all in. You're serving in that way. And that word serenity, you know what it, why we get that idea is that singleness, then you're not worried about other things. You're, you're serving God in the everything that you do, and that gives you a peace of heart. And this is a witness that will bring glory to God. And I tell you, I, it's so sad. I've seen so many people that ruin their witness because of how they act in their job. They destroy their testimony. I've seen it in ministry and I've seen it outside of ministry where men and women don't do their work as unto God. They do it selfishly. They don't put in the hours. They put in the, the least amount. And we, as Christians, we should be going above and beyond, showing others, hey, I am above reproach and I'm working for God here. See, that's what we have to understand who we are. We don't want to ruin who, what we're doing. And you might be going, well, Tom, you don't have to work in my job, okay? Or maybe it's not a job. Maybe you're not being obedient in your relationship. Maybe it's trouble in the marriage and you're not devoting it all to God. So church, we have to understand, and that leads to our second point, that serving with all, I need serving with all full devotion to God is, excuse me, is God's will for me. You see, you doing what you do with full devotion, that's God's will. Now, I wanna, I wanna preface this. If it's God's will, that means God has a plan. So maybe you're in a relationship. Maybe you're in a situation in your life and you don't like it. I bet you those slaves of that era, they didn't like it. But it was God's will. Now, if it's God's will, God has a plan. You know what? That's an honor to be in it. See, that means God cared so much for you. He's, he's laying it out for you. And we have to understand that this is, this is God's will. So that there's nothing wrong with God's will. How could he do this to me? That's what we have to, we have to trust. Look what it says here in Ephesians, verse six. It's not by way of eye service as man pleasers, but as slaves to Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. You see right there? It's the will of God that you devote yourself to your task. It's the will of God that you are doing everything for. Look at verse six or seven. It says this, with good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men. See, he's saying this is important. Everything we do, it should be as to God and not to men. And it is a blessing. Now, I, I want to I address this fact because I think a lot of us, how many people have been in a job you don't like? Or maybe you're there right now. Okay. Thank you for being honest. Last service, they weren't honest or they were sleeping. <laughs> so there's a lot of us. How many people, don't show your hands, but maybe you're in a relationship. Maybe your marriage isn't going so hot. Maybe you're there and you don't like where you're at. And so I, I'm gonna ask you this question is, is, how do you work in a job you hate? How do you do it? Because we've all been there and we hate it. You're in that relationship and you're so burnt out on it and you're discussing, maybe you're in school. I was never a collegiate person, but I had to go to college and it was frustrating. I think, I think while in seminary, you know, 
I, I had a hard time. I had, to, I had to pay my way through seminary. And, and so in the 90s, I, the, only, the only job I could get was with my cousin at the time that worked into my schedule. And so my job was to clean carpets. Yeah, and people go, oh, that's not that bad. Have you ever clean carpets? I mean, inanimate objects, they will drive you to the point of insanity. And, and it's just hard, but, but my job was different as cleaning carpets. At night, we would get in the truck, and at, at 11.30, we would arrive at the casinos in the mountains of Denver. And we would clean casinos at night. Now, the stink of stale cigarettes and bad beer on the floor, that drives anybody crazy. And I hated it. It was in the middle of the night. And I was like, what do I do? Why am I here? And those hoses are very heavy when you're lugging them up multiple stories. It's not a fun job. But how did I get through it? Well, back then, we didn't have the internet like we do today. We had dial-up. Remember dial-up? Woo! Man, so I didn't have a phone cord. And, and we didn't have smartphones yet. You know, we still had the brick phone. You remember that, people? We had cellular. Woo! And so what do you do? Well, I, got, I went old school. We didn't have earbuds. I had a Walkman. I took my cassette tape out, put my headphones on, closed it shut, listened to ACDC. No, I didn't. <laughs> I listened to the Bible on tape as I cleaned. Interesting. Let me share a verse with you here. I want to go to a verse in, in, in 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, in John. And this is Jesus talking. And he says this in chapter five, 15, verse 7. It says, abide in me and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Very interesting. Because a lot of times as a believer, we don't look at the progression we might get in that situation in our lives and go, man, where are you, God? I'm waiting. Come on, God, bring it. I'm ready for life change now. I accepted you. I'm ready for change now. And we get upset and we're pouting. We're gonna sit in that relationship and that job and be a tool of Satan against them. You know, basically that's how a lot of people are. And we're sitting there, we're, we're, we're upset with God, but there's a progression. Look what it goes. It says, abide in his word, follow it, then he helps. You see? We have to take our step. We start going forward. We as Christians, we say, this is what the word of God says. And then it starts to play out in our hearts. And then God changes us. And we go, he'll give us whatever we ask. You're gonna start seeing a change in your heart. And God, yeah, he's gonna change it. It might not be instantaneous, but you start following it because his plan for you is there. Maybe you got an attitude problem like I had cleaning carpets and he needed to work on a character flaw of mine. See, maybe you're, you're in a situation where God needs to work on you and use you to affect others where you're at. See, that's glory to God. Because you're walking in his purpose. You are enjoying his purpose. That's what he wants of you and for you. That's, and, and I'll tell you this. There, there's a plus side. Understand this, that serving with my full devotion is rewarded. Because I tell you, when you're doing what God has called you to do, even if it's in a nowhere job where you don't think it's good, you're going to see the blessings. You're going to see heart change. 
You're going to see amazing change. Maybe you'll even see a physical change in the sense of you get out of that job or you get promoted. We don't know, but we can't forget that, that we need to give glory to God. Look what it says in verse eight now. And it says, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. See, we get back from God. We, we may not even recognize it. We may not even enjoy it as we, we think we should. And I think those early saints, you know, a lot of times, I, I bet you they did not receive what they wanted. They did not receive maybe freedom. Maybe they, they even got persecuted. And church, it, it's not a fun situation. I, I'll be honest there. You know, to go through the drudgery one day at a time, but your heart will be joyful because you will be doing it for God and God is gonna honor that with his presence in your life. That's the wonder of it all. In the presence of where you're at, he's gonna give you evidence where you can count it all joy in that moment of sorrow. But we have to understand that we should expect to suffer. We should See, I wish life was a bunch of unicorns and lollipops and jelly beans. It's not. Those early saints, they suffered for God, but you know what? They gave God the glory. As Peter writes to church here, he says, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear the intimidation and do not be troubled. We, we don't have to worry. Our God is holding us tight. We can suffer. We can endure. But we should give him the glory because it's evident in our life. And that leads to our final one. I serve others as Christ served me. I should say serves me. See, Jesus, he served the apostles by, by giving of himself, washing their feet. Oh, yes, there's still a rank and file there's sure a pecking order. There, there's a teacher and there's a student. There's a master, there's a slave. There's an employer and there's an employee. Oh yeah, there are those things. But understand the joy is in our culture that this is something that is so unheard of to do this naturally, to serve as unto God with a good attitude and to work your hardest as unto God and not be called a slacker and not be somebody that's cheating their employer. We're to be people that are giving glory to God in all things. And Paul, he even talks to the employer. And he talks to this, and he says this in verse nine, and masters do the same things to them. So he's saying, you know what? If you're in charge of people, you, you do what God would do. You ask yourself that question. Does this bring God glory? How I'm treating them, how I'm paying them, how I, how I work with them. Am I not being too soft or tolerant? Am I being too tolerant? Does this bring glory to God? So often we forget that, you know what, as an employer, sometimes the best thing you can do is fire an employee, even if it's a Christian one. Why? Because they need to learn. That happened to me. And we have to learn, and sometimes the best thing as an employer, you know, you want the best for them, you give them opportunity, but if they don't do it, you gotta say no more. 
And so church, what we have to do is we do the same to them. We go, does this bring glory to God? Look what the verse keeps going. And it says, and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no partiality with him. I love that. God doesn't play favorites. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO or the stock boy. God doesn't place favorites. He loves us all equally and we should treat each other equally. We should help them no matter what. And so we ask that question, does this bring God glory in all things? Because that's what a Christian does is we say, does this bring God glory? And you go, well, you don't understand. I'm in this relationship and it's just bad. That husband of mine, he's terrible. This employer of mine is bad. This employee of mine is terrible. And I'll tell you this, listen to this church. Warren Wearsby said this, each person in submission to the Lord has no problem submitting to those over him. You got an issue with somebody? It means you got a, an issue with God. It means you're not, you're not firing on all cylinders you're still demanding you be in charge. You're not living controlled by the Holy Spirit. You're not living a life with the spiritual fruit of God. And we need to grab hold of that because if we don't, we are giving us glory and not God. You wanna change your world? You've gotta give God the glory. You gotta check your life. I shared about my mom and uh, in our hometown. And she lived up there on that mountain that snowed a lot for almost 50 years, almost 50 years. And you know, she, she has this cute little cabin as we call a little cottage. After my dad passed away, she finally was able to get this little tiny cottage on the, on the we call it the rim. And on a clear day, you can see all the way to Catalina Island and you can actually see boats in between the mainland and the island. It's about 100 miles away. It's beautiful. And it's a charming little cottage that was built 110 years ago. And, we've been in, and it survived many snowstorms. And so when we moved her off the mountain this last summer, she did not want to go. She was not happy. She goes, I'm going to Arizona. I go, it's God's country. It's warm. <laughs> she didn't want any part of it. Her neighbor across the street texted a picture of her house the snow was up to the second story window an 84 year old woman living without power and heat and limited supply of food and couldn't even open her door tragedy could have happened I thank God that we changed the physical address of where she was at and she says now today, her heart has changed. She's thankful she's not there. We as Christians, our heart changes first. But the tragedy for us is never having a physical change. That's the tragedy. Because we miss out. And the world misses out. Because there isn't going to be a change without us. So I want to ask you a question. Is there a reality of salvation in your life? Is there? Is there evidence? You go, well, my heart. I tell you, you can't contain it. 
if the, if the kinos is in you, the newness. That's where you have to ponder. So Christian, we're gonna do communion. And if you love Jesus, if Jesus is your savior, you can take it with us. And Michelle's gonna come up. And what I wanna challenge you during this time, look at those words. Ponder those words. What's God doing? And maybe, maybe you need to repent, Christian. Maybe there's a sin of selfishness that you're holding on to and you are not giving God the glory in that area. Maybe it's time. And maybe you're one of those people, you're jumping through the hoops and you think you made it because you go into the garage, but that doesn't make you a Christian. Maybe you need to say, God, I need you in my life because I don't want to be that person on that day that says, Lord, Lord, and you say, get away from me. So I want to challenge you. We're going to bow, and then in just a moment, they're going to administer the gifts, the, the elements to you. And you wait and hold on to those, and we'll take them together. But let's bow our heads now. And if, if you're not a Christian, you're not somebody that has made Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you want to tell me by raising your hand so I can pray with you, that's a great thing. And you can make that decision right now. And if you're a Christian that needs to repent, this is your opportunity. It's a wonderful thing to be able to come back to God and come to God for the first time. So let's pray. Lord God in heaven, I pray for this body here that is in this building and at home. I pray that you would touch hearts. I pray that lives would be changed. I pray, God, that that person who wants you as their Savior would say, Jesus, save me now. I am a sinner, and my wages for my sin is death, but you have given me, and I want that gift, and I take it from you now, please. I invite you in to save me. And there's a Christian that needs to repent, and they say, Lord, forgive me. I turn from this sin, and I turn back to you. Lord, I pray whatever situation you find us in at this moment that we would reflect and want to give you glory. Help us to do that, God, in Jesus' name.